0: You know we love spooky things. This is why we fell in love with Michigan-based Lynn B. Designs. When I popped the pumpkin spice all the things wax melt into my burner, my home was filled with a delicious buttery scent. Plus, there's the wide variety of gorgeous nail polishes with themes like Hocus Pocus and Pleasant Peninsula. All products are vegan and cruelty-free, and you can find monthly sales on Facebook and Instagram at Lynn B. Designs. Head to linbdesigns.store today. Again, that's L-Y-N-B-designs.store. We love them. We love you. It's great nail
1: polish. It's the best I've ever used. (laughs) Thanks! Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy, or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten.
0: will warn you up front that Detroit is not going to be a single episode. It's our state's biggest city and also our oldest incorporated city. If you are looking for our oldest European settlements, those would be Sault Ste. Marie, St. Ignace, and Marquette, all located in the UP. Uh, and I believe all founded by Pair Marquette, actually.
1: It feels weird that that would be... Oh, it's settled the coldest place first.
0: Well, yeah. And we covered some of that in our Marquette episode, too, of why... The Marquette that we know today is actually fairly (laughs) new. Yeah. Yes, Um, it is. So, yeah, if you go back and listen to the Marquette episode, you can hear all about that. Because, as she said, it's very cold. It's very cold. It's very cold in winter. Starting like a month ago. Yeah. yeah, And it was (laughs) even colder back then. (laughs) Um, So, yes, Detroit was founded on July 24th, 1701 by Antoine de la Motte Cadillac as both a settlement and as a buffer against the British... Remember, Michigan was basically Canadian back then. Uh, The name at the time was Fort Pontchartrain du Detroit or Fort Pontchartrain of the Strait. Detroit means straight. Pontchartrain was the marine minister who gave the group the go ahead to do this. Um, So that's where the name comes from. Hmm. And of course, over time, the name was just shortened to Detroit because good Lord. Yeah, we're not saying all
1: that. No. What are we, Louisiana? (laughs) This Pontchartrain stuff? No, not doing it.
0: Yeah, probably same guy, by the way.
1: Yeah, that's Punch pretty cool. Train. Yeah.
0: That very means, likely. Very likely the same guy. If, if I'm wrong, someone correct me, but <laughs> how many puncher trains were there I know, right? running around back then in right? New France? <laughs> I'm going to guess that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was the Marine Minister, so yeah, probably him. Yes. Uh, there was a lot of mixing
1: right away between the French and the nearby tribes, the Ojibwe, Ottawa, Potawatomi, and Wyandotte. That sounds familiar for a lot of reasons, including mutual protection, though not everyone always got along as people are wont to do mm-hmm. or not do. Trade as well as intermarriage was encouraged, though, specifically, French men were encouraged to marry the native women, and likely not the other way around. That's generally how the patriarchy works. It's a bit racist, just a bit. <laughs> The original settlement was small by today's standards and was contained within what is now bordered by Griswold, Fort Shelby, and Larned Streets. Basically, a city block. Yeah.
0: That's it. Yeah, that was a big deal back then. We were there.
1: Not that long ago.
0: It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was a lot of blending of folklore and traditions between all of these groups. Uh, this is where it's thought that creatures like the Nan Rouge and the Gross Point Lugaru came from. The Lougarou is fundamentally a French werewolf, but the legend surrounding it changed in the various places French colonizers settled around North America. So we have the Grosse Pointe the Louisiana Lougarou, as well as Rougarou, with an R, Rougarou, and also the Québécois Lougarou. Uh, the Nan Rouge is unique to Detroit, but it does still strongly resemble the Nans, or dwarves, as usually it's translated, from back in France. But uh, that is a talk for another time.
1: And that um, Louisiana Rougarou is also known as Rose's Llama. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we told that story on season one. So go back and find that. I think so. But our friend Rose had a lovely encounter with the quote unquote Rougarou, which turned out to be a llama. Yep. (laughs) Which
0: is amazing. Yep. And it's been like an ongoing joke amongst everyone ever since. (laughs) It's really fun to buy her llama things. (laughs)
1: She's got a good sense of humor about it. (laughs) She does. In 1760, the British took over Detroit after the French and Indian War. So even more cultural mixing. When the U.S. took possession of Detroit in 1796, two-thirds of the population was French, the rest a mix of English, Dutch, German, and both free and enslaved African Americans. The first black person to own land in Detroit was Jacob Young in 1793. And, of course, the native people of different tribes who had been there
0: all along, you know, living there. Yep, for at least a few hundred at years, some least of those hundreds tribes. hundreds of
1: years before we got there. Uh, so you could see why there has been a lot of blending of many different cultures from the very beginning of Detroit's history. It's always been an international city. Suck it, rest of
0: America. Suck it! <laughs> On June 11th. Hey. Oh, no. That's my birthday. Yeah. In 1805, the entire city burned to the ground. Oh, Okay. (laughs) My birthday, Bella Lugosi, Tom Petty, Snoop Dogg were all born. Yours, the city of Detroit burned to the ground. The entire city burned to the ground. This tracks. This makes sense. Yep. And and like literally the entire thing just whoosh, everything gone. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of I mean it it was mostly wood so, Sure. Yeah, know, it's yeah wooden stone. We've so.
1: heard of a lot of major cities in the US
0: burning to the ground because they were oh, like, yeah. they were just wood. Look yeah. at East San Francisco. Absolutely. <laughs> and just you know, Chicago, yeah. So some, some pretty major known fires. But yeah, Detroit if you didn't know about the eighteen oh five Detroit fire that destroyed the entire city, you should have. Oh yeah. <laughs> If you are from Michigan. It's like, I assume they teach that in your history classes. They didn't ours. We learned about the Chicago fire, kind of. There's also like a song about it, I think. But um, why not? Yeah, we didn't. But I'm from West Michigan. We were much more attuned to Chicago than Detroit, even though we were halfway between.
1: Yeah. There's a giant lake in the way of you in Chicago, but whatever. It's fine. You just go around it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna say it makes sense that I never learned about that. Absolutely, there was yeah. no reason for Southern California to focus on Detroit
0: except yeah. to be like,
1: cars were there, cars were made there. Then yeah. we move on.
0: Yeah, that was it. In fourth grade, um, we had Michigan history class, and that was not that was not one of the things we learned. To be honest, that's weird. Yeah, we learned about the Chicago Fire, but also a lot of the lumber in West Michigan went to rebuild Chicago. Oh, okay. So that's like—it's also just where all your industry of, went. Yeah. Fair, fine. I guess that's fine. Yeah, because we just floated across the lake. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess what
0: else do you do? <laughs> go logs, go. Yeah, be free. <laughs> um, so the city of Detroit that we know today was literally built atop those ashes. God, they didn't even brush the streets first. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> probably, probably the rains came and just whoosh, washed everything. Oh, out. they were
1: like, yeah, wait five minutes, it'll rain.
0: <laughs> we get a lot of storms. Um, yeah, this would have been yeah spring. Yeah, we might have, our weather might have been a little different back then. But yeah, we definitely get spring storms. Um, it, the the current city was modeled after Washington, D.C., which I believe is modeled after Paris as well. Yes. Um, or the the hub and spoke grid plan. Yes. Um, and if you if you look at a street plan of Detroit today you can see how a lot of the major roads radiate out from radiate out from Campus Martius Park. That's how you pronounce that by the way, Campus Martius. Um, it's near the which is near the waterfront. Um, and during the war of 1812 the British did capture and occupy Detroit for a year, but it was returned to US hands. And this is where we get into some supernatural fun stuff. Woo.
1: After the War of 1812, American General Alexander Macomb Jr. You'll recognize that last name mm-hmm. took Belle Isle, then called Ilocochon, thank you, or Hog Island, because the French had allowed their fig their figs, their pigs to forage freely there. I got there; it's fine. On July 4th, 1845, a grand picnic was held on the island, and the party goers decided to rename the island Belle Isle after Isabel Cass. Another last name you'll know. The daughter of Governor Lewis Cass. Also, beautiful island sounds better than Hog Island. Just, just a little. Just saying. <laughs> Even in French. I'm like, Cochon is, you know, great and tasty, but I don't really want to Yeah, go to Isle of the Pigs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Isle of the Pigs sounds a little bit better than Hog Island, but True. they are both accurate translations. And it, the English, I believe, did call it Hog Island. I'm sure it did. Yeah. If we can ruin another language, we will.
1: Yep. (laughs) Uh, Belle Isle was turned into a park that we can visit and enjoy to this day. There is the aquarium, one of the oldest in the country, the conservatory, a nature center, the Dawson Great Lakes Museum, the James Scott Memorial Fountain, a beach. You can easily spend a day there is what I'm saying.
0: And I have. And my dog has. I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to Belle Isle, but my dog has. Yeah, we've been there a few times. Um, in Also in winter. Well, not quite winter. It was December, but, you know, it's Michigan, so it yeah, winter. Yeah, it's winter. <laughs> in the middle of Belle Isle sits a statue of Major General Alpheus Starkey Williams. What a good name. What a fantastic name. Uh, mounted on his horse. In Detroit Ghosts. Mimi Staver relays the story of a woman and her daughter who saw the head of Williams turn to face the camera while they were taking a picture. When the daughter said that the statue was creeping her out, she felt someone grab her shoulder as if in reprimand. How dare you say I'm creeping you out, child? Yeah, look at me on my glorious horse. (laughs) Uh, Staver also states that a, quote, misty woman in white has been seen, and it is said this woman can transform herself into a deer. This relates to a legend that an Ottawa chief who wanted to protect his precious daughter from men. So many stories like that around the world. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sent her down the river in a covered canoe to an uninhabited island. She roamed the island, which may or may not have been Belle Isle, with the deer and other animals.
1: You know, sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah. Rowdy men sent down the river. Send me down the river. Parts of Belle Isle are wet and swampy. We are still in Michigan. There are a number of very tiny lakes and lagoons, and near some of those tiny lakes you might run into, quoting from WFMK, the apparition of a withered, decaying old woman draped in white. Sexy. Yeah. She will beckon you to follow her into the woods. What happens if you do, no one knows. I'm going to guess because no one has returned. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So how do we know about her if no one Either no one has actually taken her up on that offer,
0: um, or no one has returned. That's a good point. That's Mm. how we know about her, because they were like, no, No. woman. No, thank you. Not even offering me candy. (laughs) I'll go. Let's go. I'll go. (laughs) Go find out where she goes. Yeah.
1: She is allegedly seen near the bridges and swampy areas of the island. Whether these two women in white are related somehow, we can't say. It is possible the first transformed into the latter to make a more
0: scary story. Legends tend to evolve in that direction. Yeah, we've seen that happen many times. Like, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but way back in the Marshall episode, where we talk about the door flying off the hinges during an investigation. Oh, yeah. We met a person who was there that (laughs) night, (laughs) and he's like, well, that story grew. <laughs> yes, yes. He said the door kind of, was it just kind of opened, and he thinks that someone pushed it yeah. to scare someone else.
1: Essentially, he thinks that none of that was paranormal at right. all, and it was just people teasing
0: each other. Yeah, and then that that grew into this: the door flew off its hinges and hit someone. Right, which is the buck we read. Right. Which is what ended up on the podcast. So I'm like, ooh, yeah, and we were kind of joking about it. Like, sorry, Danny, flew off the hinges. What? <laughs> but I love that he heard that episode and then came up to me and said, like, yeah, I think that was my group, and I remember that. <laughs> and that's not quite. <laughs> that's not quite what happened. That's not quite what um, happened. We've we've heard that a, a few times from people that they're like, mm, that's not really, yeah. And that's usually that's generally my speculation is that things are exaggerated. Um, I think there was probably. This legend, which may or may not actually be um, yes. authentic, it could be just white people saying, "Oh, Native American legend," mm. uh, which happens a lot too. Oh, look, a mysterious island
1: must have something to do with the Native Americans.
0: Yeah, and it could be they because if you're from Michigan, you probably know in the mornings it's often misty because we have high water tables. Mm-hmm. um When the weather changes, it gets kind of misty. Maybe someone saw this mist that looked like a woman, and then. Then they came up with the, the alleged Native American legend, or maybe it is authentic. Maybe a Native American saw the mist and came up with the legend themselves. Who knows? Um, and then that transformed into, like, well, that's not scary. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know what's scary. Withered, decaying old women. <laughs> Ew. Old women. Gross. Yeah. Women do not get treated well. <laughs> no. Not when so, we age. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think these legends probably are related. Yeah. And that, yeah, the somebody changed the beautiful young woman into an old withered crone. Yeah. To be scarier. Probably.
1: I like how it reflects witchcraft a little bit. We've got like the maiden into the crone. We just don't That's have true. like a legend about about the mother, the mother part. That'd be an interesting story to write. Hmm. Copyright haunted men, don't take that. That's ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know people have seen there have been like many instances of seeing a white deer. Mm-hmm. So that also could just be... Oh, crazy. A white deer. That, you know, yeah. that must be a ghost deer. And then,
0: like, some kind of... Something stems from there. But Yeah, there could be an albino deer out there. I
1: want to see that albino deer.
0: It's a fairly large island. I mean, there are certainly points where you can kind of see both sides of it, but mm. it is pretty large. Yeah. I mean, it's got all these buildings on it. Yeah. and there's, And there's... <laughs> large parts of it that there's nothing there as well because it's swampy and not necessarily safe to go wandering around
1: yeah yeah don't just go wandering around
0: Isle. yeah (laughs) if you do like be very safe yeah be sure you have a cell phone that works yeah um do be warned though if you have a cell phone on bell isle it (laughs) may think that you are in canada (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I, mine, apps, mine, we were just at, or we were just at, when we're recording this, not when this comes out, we were, we just did our Frankenfest presentation at, um, historic Fort Wayne. And the entire day my phone was like, welcome to Canada. I'm yeah.
0: Like, and like, nope, you're not even in the river. You're near the river. You're very close to the river, yeah. but yeah, nope. you're not in Canada. Belle Isle is very close to the, the border. Belle um, Isle's even closer. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was at, like... I was at the Dawson Museum and yeah, it, um. My phone went off, and I think Greg's went off too. And it was like, "Welcome to Canada." Welcome to Canada. And I'm like, I mean, I can see Canada; it's right there. But <laughs> roaming rates <laughs> either not- apply or don't. Yeah, we are not, in fact, in Canada. Yeah, I was like, it's phone. "A nice thought." <laughs> I know. I was like, "Well, thank you, phone," but I'm not there. Yeah. So if you if you have, if you need to worry about like international rates or anything like that, yeah, do know if you go to Belle Isle, it will probably think that you are in Canada. If you because have you roaming, are very very close.
1: If you have roaming, just go ahead and turn off that data. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Moving up Woodward Avenue, we head toward another city icon, the Detroit Institute of Arts, or DIA for short. The present building is actually the DIA's second location. The collection outgrew its first location within 30 years of being established, and I believe it. It's huge. Yeah. The second location opened in 1927. Rather than following the tradition of organizing items by type, the DIA's collections were, according to Wikipedia, organized by nation and chronology which was recognized as being so revolutionary that the 1929 encyclopedia britannica used it as an illustration of the main floor plan of used an illustration of the main floor plan of the dia as an example of the perfect modern art
0: museum and i believe that's how most art museums if not other museums are organized today
1: yes to the point where i didn't know that they weren't
0: always organized that way yeah so this like set <laughs> this set the precedent, I believe, yeah. because I, I've been to, to Chicago and Studio Art, which is glorious as well. Yeah. Um, and I believe that's the same. Yeah. Um, Toledo was the same. Yeah, everything I can think of was mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, all the ones that I've been in, been to in Southern California are the same. Yeah, that's so that's kind of cool that we gave that to the world. You're welcome. You're welcome, museum yeah. lovers everywhere. Yeah, the Dia is really very very cool.
1: Yes, it's like five floors and i've only been yeah to like one and a half of them because
0: it's massive yeah i feel like you could easily spend multiple days there because oh, yeah. the collection is huge It depends on how much you know attention you want to give to things and sure <laughs> if you see like the special <laughs> exhibits that they have yeah. yeah but yeah it's very cool i and i never knew that growing up i only ever went to chicago for museums that was just how my school was yeah detroit was considered too dangerous okay yeah, I I had so we we'll go to Chicago <laughs> instead. Yes. <laughs> so all of our field trips were to Chicago, okay. all of them. In fact, I I did I think three trips to the Chicago Art Museum in school. That's um fine. We'll Yeah, just go and to- I didn't even know about the DIA until I was in Japan. <laughs> and one of the other people in my dorms, her aunt either worked there or volunteered there. And it was um closed for construction, for, I, I don't really know. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's how long it took me, wow. was college.
1: And you weren't even in this country to find out. Yeah,
0: I was like halfway around the world and I learned about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's yeah,
0: the, the woman was from Northville, so not too far from here, but still a d- distance from Detroit. It's not yeah. like she was from Dearborn, you know? Right. But yeah, it's cool, you should go.
1: I I should.
0: So, turning again to Haunted Detroit, good source, obviously, if you want to know about uh, ghosts in Detroit. Author Mimi Staver says that security guards have claimed hearing a large clattering as a painting falling to the floor in the vicinity of the painting The Court of Death by Rembrandt Peel. But when they arrive, obviously, in the spot the sound came from, nothing is amiss. Crazy. I know. I, I just, yeah. I also just love that painting, but... The mm. Court of Death. Yeah. yeah good one. Um, guards have also claimed that the Nail figure um, is what it's called in the museum of the African Congo people who call it a Nkisi Nkonde. Yeah. Is my best guess on that one. I'm still working on African languages. Um, it has been seen, quote, shuddering and vibrating, end quote, and dances after the museum closes. You see, In this story, you see like everywhere. This is a very popular story. Mm-hmm. When Staver asked a guard about the figure, he answered, Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, go and ask some guards, see what they say. Uh, another guard would not give her a straight answer. Staver does go into several pages of detail about what the figure is used for in Congo villages. So if you're interested in that, please check out the book. Yeah. I mean, she really, I think she clearly did her research because she does devote quite a bit of um, page time to this this story. Um, and of course, this is an urban legend. I hope you knew I was going there with that one. Um, I'm going to go on record that I do not believe that the statue comes alive. I'm sorry. Uh, but if someone out there can prove me wrong, please, please do. It's fine. It's okay. I to want disagree. to see this evidence. It's
1: all right for us to disagree. That's half of what we do on this podcast. Yeah. I don't,
0: I don't believe the statue comes alive and dances at night. I kind of do. <laughs> I could maybe shudder <laughs> and vibrate, but I don't know. I just don't think it, it dances. That seems like a lot of articulation that I it maybe like can't do. I feel like
1: shuddering and vibrating is a form of dance, but that's all right.
0: Oh, no, I'm just that's... nervous. I'm just nervous and anxious all the time. Yeah. Never mind. I'm like My That's bad. maybe white people dancing. That's white people dancing. White people don't know how to dance anymore. and It makes me sad. <laughs> 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 well, that's a good turn. <laughs> that's staying in. At my wedding, like almost no one got up to dance. And that was like the one thing we put all of our effort into. Was the music Was I the know. music. And like <laughs> my mom danced and some friends of mine. I danced. Yeah, you did. The wedding party danced. Erin um, and I danced. we had a thing. But yeah, almost nobody came up. They just like sat there and watched us dance. Yep. And it was really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Dance is not really
1: a thing anymore. Nope. No, I totally believe that figure moves. I don't know. After, well, you after, have to after, go and ask. I know. I, oh, God, how much does the DIA cost?
0: Can I? It's not bad. Okay. <laughs> I was like, can I afford that? If you live in the surrounding communities, yeah. it is free for people. It's basically listeners, just not but, free for us. Yeah, it's like what Macomb, <laughs> Oakland, and Wayne. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. If you live in those counties, the DIA is free. You pay for it in your taxes. yes In case you didn't know. I know. So go to your museum. <laughs> yeah. Go take advantage. They like they have movie nights. They have concerts. They have all kinds of cool yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: it's really awesome. It's just, it's a little bit far for us, and I got to pay. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I don't and, make and it to pay to park, but parking is very cheap. Oh, yeah. No, it's Detroit. It's not going to be expensive. And we can always, they have that, that one way, or that, like, rapid bus now that's, like, a couple bucks. And oh, it drops yeah. you off downtown, and then you can take, like, the, the streetcar. That's
1: right. I forgot about Yeah, I, I was, forgot about I was rapid... planning
0: that out, and then the pandemic hit. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about that. According to an article on Thrifty Car Rental, Yes, really. Yes, really. (laughs) Quote, Oftentimes the guards report hearing loud thuds that echo throughout through the halls of the empty museum. Others claim to hear sounds of people dragging something around the building at times when there should be no one on the property. And Ghost Quest says that security guards report hearing, quote, disembodied footsteps, loud thuds and other strange noises. People see shadowy figures that seem to follow the guards. These poor guards.
0: Well, they're there a lot. So I would assume they get messed with.
1: I know. But, you know, that sucks. Welcome to the DIA. We're happy to have you on our security team. Here is your pamphlet on ghosts. Yeah. Here's all the weird stuff that happens. And weirdo vibrating statues. Welcome to the team. I'll send Aaron to work there.
0: Oh, he'd love it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He would love it. Absolutely.
1: Aaron, I got a new job for you. <laughs> You're going to go work with the haunted objects
0: at an art museum with what? history. Art museum? <laughs> I
1: know. No, he would actually that that's kind of security job he would love. Oh yeah.
0: I could probably handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Just walking around and uh, yeah. looking
1: at stuff. I could do that. Paintings are shaking again. Oh, blood's pouring from the walls again. Yeah. That's oh, fine. that's just messy.
0: <laughs> clean
1: up on um the fourth floor please
0: oh the poor janitorial team (laughs) no it doesn't actually
1: (laughs) rain blood at the (laughs) tia no not not that we're aware of i made that yeah no if it does somebody please tell us contact haunted mitten at (laughs) gmail.com
0: okay moving right along (laughs) this next location is supposed to be extremely active like this is the most extremely so this is why it's here um, I found it on so many most haunted lists. Like, it's comical how many lists it's on. The Cajou Cafe. I'm going to spell that for you because it doesn't look like Cajou at all. <laughs> C A D I E U X. So, like, Cadieu? Yeah. Cadiole? I don't know. Cadieu. Cadieu in modern French. So, but Cajou Cafe. And uh, yeah, because I'm a nerd, I had to look it up because I'm studying French. Um, so I'm going to read from HouseofNames.com. Quote: The surname is one of the most ancient names that came from France during the Middle Ages. It is a Breton name for a person who was small but a strong fighter. The name Cadieux is derived from the old French word cad, which means little fighter. And that's quote. my husband, little fighter. Yeah, oh!
1: <laughs> it's
0: true. It's true.
1: For those that don't know, my my husband is shorter than I am, and he is. He's five five and he is very strong. Very strong. Very strong. He's a he's not only like a boxer and a and a wrestler and a power lifter, but he's also a blacksmith. So he's like strong. Yes.
0: Very strong man. But he's shorter than me, so it's adorable. He is mighty. Aww. Mighty but fierce. Mighty and fierce. He is my little fighter. Good job. Yo, good job, B. He's gonna hate that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And reading from the Caju Cafe's own website, quote, since it's since its days as a prohibition era, speakeasy, because of course it was. Oh yeah. The Caju Cafe has been a social hub for Metro Detroit's Belgian population. Flemish culture flourishes at the Cadu, which is or has been the unofficial headquarters for an array of clubs promoting pastimes from across the pond, including pigeon racing, archery, bicycling, darts, and of course, of course. Feather Bowling.
0: Yeah, Feather Bowling.
1: Sure. The Cadu Cafe was one of the few Detroit restaurants featured on Anthony Bourdain, RIP's TV show, No Reservations, and in a few of his books. The Cadu Cafe has been carrying on these
0: East Side traditions since 1933. I remember that episode of No Reservations. Yeah. Absolutely. Because who can forget Feather Bowling? Me. It's, It's like there are two places I think in Michigan you can still go Feather Bowling. It's this one and I think there's a place in Monroe. Okay. Because Greg and I have been wanting to go for a very long time. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. It's kind of like, like me with an Italian background, it's kind of like bocce. Okay. I believe you, but you, there's a cheese wheel, I think, involved. And you like throw the cheese wheel to, and the one who ends up closest to the feather. Guess you eat the cheese? I don't think there's actually cheese involved. Damn it. There's lots of beer involved if... uh Damn it. No reservations is anything to judge by, but... Yeah, yeah, you'll have to look up. I'm, I'm sure there's like a clip on YouTube or something of oh, Anthony I'm, Bourdain. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how we all learned about feather bowling because nobody I know is Belgian that I'm aware of. No. I'm like the Belgian community, we have that. Apparently. All right. And they do feather bowling. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so the DeVos family. Boo. Is it that one? <laughs> I don't know. Probably? I mean, there's probably a relation. Okay. Um, DeVos is really huge on the west side of the state. Yeah. And I'm sure people on the west side are like, yeah, we know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, rest of the world, that you had yeah. to find out what we've known the whole time. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> um, so the DeVos family owned the cafe from 1962 through 2018. Lord. So yeah, quite a long time. Uh, the apparition, ah, The apparition of the previous owner's mother, Yvonne DeVos... What a great name. Yvonne DeVos. Yvonne DeVos. I like it. Um, She has been seen sitting at a table and uh, in in the bar area. I don't know if that's like a table in the bar area (laughs) or like at various locations at a table and also in the bar area. Because I haven't been. I don't know if these are two separate places. Right. Um, And the apparition of Robert, her husband, has been seen in the basement. Hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. Hanging out. Uh, Comment sections on websites are a great place to find personal stories This is the one place where I'm like yes read the comments. Yeah. Um, Normally it's like god run away screaming but yeah but like read the read the paranormal yeah, comments. Par- read the paranormal comments because they there're usually someone going oh my god I I have an experience. Yeah. Um so this one comes from hauntedplaces.org. Okay.
1: Quote: "We were hosting my special needs brother's 50th birthday party by feather bowling haha with 20 of his close friends. My brother was up to Feather Bowl when the man next to me asked if he had done this before and what his name was. I told him his name was Robert, but we called him Bobby. Looking over, I saw the man was in a strange suit jacket, but as it had gotten so cold, I didn't think much of it. He asked if it was okay to give Bobby a few pointers. Of course, I replied. For two hours, Bobby put all of his pucks on the feather or closest to. When I went to thank the gentleman for making Bobby's birthday so special, I couldn't find him. Nor could anyone else even remember seeing someone like that. So I kept my mouth shut and toasted this man with my boomba. I don't know what that is. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I heard another glass clink to the toast. So maybe it's not a cheese
0: wheel. Maybe they're pucks. But, but maybe the cheese to wheel to is something cheese else. Wheel. Possibly. I feel like Greg is the one that talks about the cheese wheel. He usually remembers things better than I do. <laughs>
1: but look, that Robert met the other Robert.
0: Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Nice. Like, I oh, like...
1: that's a Robert that likes feather bowling? I'm a Robert that likes feather bowling. Yeah, I feel like that's
0: that's definitely where your mind goes. Whether that's true, who knows? Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm speculating. But that's that's obviously where kind of where that you're intended to go with that story. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I've never been to this place. I've never met these people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we that like I'm aware to speculate.
0: Of. <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the paranormal is all about, because we really don't know. Correct. That's all we do is speculate. Yep. Kathleen Tedson and Beverly Rydell, in their book, Haunted Travels of Michigan, Volume 1, I cannot find Volume 2, and it's driving me crazy. Does um, it exist, or is it like a- I believe it does, because I think I saw it on Amazon, but there were none available. Rude. So I think it's one of those like out-of-print kind of things.
1: Uh, if you are these people or know them, can we? can
0: you- Can you email us? I want more volumes. Because this one was good. This one was really good. Um, So in their book, uh, they relay an investigation by the Organization for the Research and Science of the Paranormal. O-R-S-P. Orsp. Yeah. Orsp. Uh, Former owner Ron DeVos told... I'm just going to say Orsp because it's fun. uh, (laughs) Told Orsp of his personal experiences at the cafe. One night, Ron heard water running in the back room. again i have experience with water running Uh, when he (laughs) investigated he saw the water coming out of the faucet going full blast yeah sounds familiar and the sink was full to the brim astonishingly he saw the faucet turn off by itself and the sink drained why couldn't our ghost do that yeah right jerks (laughs) glasses bottles and a pitcher have all fallen for no apparent reason of course and phantom footsteps were heard going down the stairs to the basement and light bulbs have shattered when the lights were turned off. Good God! Usually I feel like it's they shatter when they get turned on. Right. Eh, interesting. No, thank you to t- tiny
1: shards of glass flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That's... Maybe you can't get hurt, ghost, because you're already dead,
0: but... I can. Yeah. <laughs> be, be like the spirit at Turner Dodge where they t- it, she said, turn your head. Yes. And then it shatters. Yes. Yeah. Be Be more like that spirit. Be
1: the helpful ghost. Yeah. (laughs) A psychic, Dan, with the investigators, said that there is a jokester that hangs out in the feather bowling alley. He said this jokester likes to open and close doors, toss pitchers and glasses around, and turn the faucet on and off in the back bathroom. In a storage room that was a former bedroom, the psychic felt the presence of a man named Alfred, whose spirit was, quote, content. Ron's grandfather, Alfred, had passed away in that room when he was nearly 90 years old. A woman's presence was also felt in a hallway where people had previously reported seeing the apparition of a woman. He also sensed the spirit of Robert, who died from pigeon lung. That's right, I said pigeon lung. His hobby was pigeon racing, and he kept his his coop on the roof.
0: Yep. Thank you to Ms. Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries for introducing pigeon racing to me by the way. But what is pigeon lung? I It's from inhaling uh, like, all gross of pigeon gunk I'm pretty sure because um, okay. a pigeon coop is not the cleanest of places. No way. Yeah. Shocking. Um, I think that's what it is. It's just from inhaling like all that gunk. Oh. Um, yeah. We can look that up but I'm pretty sure. No, that. Um, but sounds yeah, right. there was there was an episode of Ms. Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries about pigeon racers. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like what? <laughs> so basically, what pigeon racing is is you take your pigeon like a certain distance away from the coop and release it, and then you clock how long it takes to get back. Oh, okay. Um, so does that, does I can I assume it's done with homing pigeons?
1: I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, because I think a regular pigeon would just be like. PCs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or just, like, land on the ground and eat stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So that it's whoever, whichever pigeon gets, back, gets there the fastest wins. Okay. I that guess. Makes sense. So they're not, like, they are racing each other, but it's not like horse racing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And some guy got murdered. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the characters was probably a lesbian. <laughs> <gasps>
1: That's why I love Miss Fisher. So modern. Yep. Dan. The psychic also sensed a man who was continuously trying to get to his bar stool but couldn't make it. The man didn't die there, but his last memory was of there. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a like room? a repeated yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, like a residual or something. It just plays the same scene. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Employees have reported seeing the shadow of a man walk in through the front door but disappear before reaching the bar. The, this investigation resulted in no physical evidence, no EVPs,
0: nada. Nothing tangible. Yeah, just a lot of experiences, yeah. feelings, Yeah, psychic impressions. Which are
1: also legit, by the way. Just because you mm-hmm. don't get a ghost or a spirit or whatever telling you to fuck off doesn't mean you didn't have an experience.
0: Exactly. In fact, <laughs> I, would, I would argue most experiences are more in the physical realm. Yeah, seeing hearing touching yeah, yeah sensing
1: and a lot of times very personal to that person yes and not like a universal thing experienced by the group but a lot of paranormal experiences are are very tailored to the mm-hmm. the experiencer
0: i did find it interesting that employees have seen this shadow of a man walking in the door and then disappearing and then the psychic later is like oh yeah there's this man who keeps trying to get to his bar stool or whatever and mm. and doesn't make it, yeah. So I wonder if that is residual, because, well, why would? I mean, is he just stuck in this memory loop? I don't
1: know. Because from the the tiniest bit of info we have from the mm-hmm. employees, it sounds residual.
0: Hmm.
1: Um. But the way the psychic seems to tell it, it's like a guy actually trying to get to a bar to like a Sisyphean effort,
0: essentially. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, what What does that mean? I'm not really sure. This is all I've got. Yeah. I don't know. And this is like me like putting these things together because I found that. Right. Interesting. Yeah. What you do is you take all the stories. Yeah. All the versions of a story you down. <laughs> yes. Because um, a lot of the books, too, they give, when I mean, they're books. They're meant to draw out the stories. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, I mean, like we I said, have to it was, filter. It was, an, it was an interesting book. I had a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, And the Great Lakes Ghost Hunters of Michigan also investigated the cafe, and they had um, video photography equipment, EMF meters, divining rods, uh, EVP, and their own personal senses. Good Lord. They had quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, In the the basement, the infamous basement where Robert likes to hang out, Hmm. uh, the investigators found, quoting from their website, "...extreme activity on the EMF and the rods went crazy." Video of this session includes conversations with Robert, quote unquote, uh, via the rods, these divining rods. They found the connection to be very humorous for Robert came across as a great fella with an incredible personality. Robert claimed he was content in the basement and did not wish to go to the light at this time. End quote.
1: All right. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Hang around. Yeah.
0: And I don't know what's in the basement. I mean, that could be a storage area. That could be where the offices are. Who knows? Yeah. Um, No one actually said, they just said he hangs out in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Prior to this, some people had heard loud knocking and footsteps that they could not explain. And during another session with the Rods, quote, Yvonne made known that she was happy and did not wish to go to the light at this time, and she wished to remain and watch over her grandson, end quote, who was owner at the time. Um, It just changed hands like a few years ago. Oh. Uh, I wonder if she's still there now, now that her, her grandson no longer owns the business. Or and and have, same you know. with Robert. I mean, because the family owned it from was it nineteen sixty two to twenty eighteen? Yeah. And it had just changed hands and then like right after that we had the pandemic. Right. So
1: so uh, yeah. So yeah. no I'm it would sure be... nobody has been back to, to do to
0: yeah, to investigate this. Yeah. Somebody go back and investigate <laughs> this. <laughs> I wanna know if fond and Robert are still there. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm curious about
1: like, you know, I I know I know roughly how dowsing rods work and that's on both ends. The uh I'm not going to say the actual way they work, but the the minute physical kind of like how a planchette works as well. Yeah. The minute physical twitches of your hands can definitely influence which way they mm-hmm.
0: turn cuz they move but, very freely like Yeah. Yeah. They move um, very easily, I should say. Move very easily. Yeah. are small.
1: Yeah. Um if you're not familiar with a dowsing rod Um, think of the old timey way that uh, you've probably seen in cartoons and on old TV shows about finding water. You hold two metal sticks in the shape of an L in your Mm -hmm. hands, and it's supposedly where, and you hold them super loosely, and you walk around. (laughs) Yeah. And when they cross, you have apparently found water. I have no idea if that's real. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. How they work for the unalive is essentially the same way. You ask questions, you say, if you can cross these rods, that's a yes. If you turn them away from each other, that's a no. But it's all human-held. Yeah. Human-operated. So giant question
0: mark in the end. Yep. It's just like pendulum. Yep. Same thing, pendulums. Yeah. um, Used in the same way. Planchette used similar ways. Which
1: is not to say that just because humans influence it, that it is not in some way uh, shaped by either an outside voice or or an outside manipulation or the weird shit that goes in our, on in our own heads, right, which is
0: paranormal enough yeah it, <laughs> it, I mean it could be the person is the one being manipulated, not the rods themselves, yeah or the pendulum itself, yeah, that kind of thing it
1: could be some crazy some crazy sense you have in the back in in your subconscious brain, who knows yeah, that just has, that is tapping into some unknown. I don't know what, and getting
0: answers from the ether. I have no idea. Yeah, so I, I know that they have done experiments with um, Ouija boards. Yeah, um, of blindfolding people and then yeah. the board just starts giving gobbledygook because no one can see. Right. I don't know if they've done the same with pendulums or planchets. I don't know. I don't know yeah. who would do that. I don't know who would bother. So Yeah. They already did it with the beauty board. So they were like, they were done with it. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can still make arguments of like, well, you've now covered up the medium. The medium can't see what they're doing and therefore the spirit can't adequately. Oh, sure. I mean, there are all kinds of ways you can talk your way out of it because yeah. nobody really knows how these things work. No. Giant question mark. We have absolutely no idea. Yeah, like that experiment can't disprove someone being possessed by spirit. Right. Frankly. Because how do you just prove that? You can Or tapping into,
1: like, some
0: otherworldly knowledge base. Like, it's just, you can't. And then once you shut off their way to visually communicate that, it's like, they could still have the knowledge. They just now cannot pass that on because they can't see. This is
1: why I love the paranormal and the supernatural. Because a weird shit like this. Yep. See, I'm cursing a lot in this episode, and then I'm reminded of Connor. Hi, Connor, and Connor's mom, who we met at Frankenfest. Yep. Now I'm like, oh, no. Connor. Connor's
0: mom, is it okay?
1: <laughs> Connor's mom, do you do you censor this? Please censor
0: this. And I think of, like, <laughs> my nieces and nephews that may or may not be listening. Hi, guys. Whatever. How's We're it fine. going? <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> I know who their parents
1: are. It's fine. That's a good point. <laughs> Anyway, you can watch some of the videos taken during the investigation um, that we talked about before our tangent on GLGH of Michigan's website. There are also a few EVPs. One sounds sort of like Y, and another sounds like Megan. Yeah. Sure. I mean, again, EVP could, if it's not super clear, it can be kind of anything you want it to be.
0: Yeah, um, cause I, I listen to them like repeatedly. The one thing I really should be doing is listening to them through headphones. Yeah. Um, it makes a big difference. It really, and the, the quality of your headphones too. Yeah. Like my husband has some really good quality headphones. Um, so does mine, but I, I don't, and I'm usually just listening to them on my laptop. Right, I like holding it up to my ear, going. Eh, I mean, I guess I hear it. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> All but,
1: <right>. uh, <laughs> we have a we have a sweet professional studio we can record in, but for our everyday lives,
0: yeah, I don't know. It was like twenty bucks. It's fine. Yeah. My <laughs> husband's the DJ, not me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely check out uh, GLGH's website. Yeah, That's, definitely. Yeah.
1: All right, mystery ghouls. Like we said, this is not a comprehensive coverage of Detroit. That city is huge and really old. Yep. There will be more in the future. If you want to hear our presentation on historic Fort Wayne that we mentioned earlier, you can join our Patreon. One dollar a month gets you access to the private haunted mitten Discord server as well as exclusive Patreon content like true crime stories behind some of Michigan's most famous hauntings. So we got a
0: really messed up past. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's great. It's great for me now in twenty twenty two. I love reading about them, and a lot of them were like were big enough at the time to hit the New York Times. This oh, is, I know. This is where I read about a lot of these. Is the New York yes. Times? Like, yeah, we had a dastardly past. It's great, <laughs> and not just the twenties. Like, I'm... I was
1: like, yeah, thanks, the mom. And, that,
0: and then there's Prohibition, which is like this whole other thing, right? Um, but yes, keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunted Mitten. You can find me in the same places at Krista K Coburn, and K is at K Gray Writes. Just the letter K Gray Writes. And you can email us at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com. And a few of you have, and we are so grateful.
1: Yeah, even if um, we don't get back to you in any kind of timely fashion, email us anyway. We like reading about them. and then We talk about
0: them, and then I just forget to email you back. Sorry. Sometimes, yeah. We're getting a lot busier, and it's had some. we've had some growing pains and some adjustments, which is it's great. I'm really excited. Yeah. We got busier than in years sooner than I thought we would, but uh, (laughs) it's also good. It's good, and we're really excited about that. Yes, absolutely. And you can check out our website at hauntedmitten.com. Woo! We have our own .com.
1: We do. I bought it. Uh, Our Patreon pays for it, so thank you, everybody.
0: Yay! (laughs) And we have new merch at hauntedmitten.store. I had to rebuy that one because there was, like, this weird miscommunication with the place I got it from, but it should be back up. It was weird. (laughs) <laughs> I need to check it because she said give it like 48 hours or whatever. Mm, yeah. Um you can find shirts, stickers, bags, phone cases, and more. I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Still no pins. <laughs> I'm kind of mad about that. Friends, you can get sliders with our
1: logo on them, but you cannot get a pin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what is with that? Come on, Teespring. Get with it. We'll make these super expensive products, but we won't make a pin. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to get the sliders because I want some slip-on shoes. Well, there you go. Even though it's fall, I don't care.
1: Whatever, you can wear them to the gym. That's true, yeah. Uh, don't forget that any books we mention on this show are available for purchase at bookshop.org slash shop slash mitten, And you can support local bookstores and not use other places that I'm not going to name. Amazon. Yeah. Oh, what? What?
0: Always support your... And... and- I'll be honest, your local library probably has these guys too, because that's where we get most of ours. (laughs) Yeah, that is where I get a lot of them. Um, I did buy one recently directly from the author that was uh, about Fenton. Yay! So I'll be going over that. So expect that soon, Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) And it's a place I've been wanting to visit for a little while. Um, It's not that far from here. Nope. It's on the way to the Ren fair. in fact. It
1: is. And as always, happy hunting.